We're going to look this morning at Philippians chapter 3. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. And just looking at about five verses, verses 17 through 21, and we will get to those. <clears throat> Title of the sermon is Imitators. This was from a series that I did a few years ago and got to this section of Philippians and just used these verses. And I want us to look today at what Paul is telling us about that, that word imitator. An imitator is a person who copies the behavior or actions of another. You know what it is to imitate. You know what it is to be imitated. But to some degree, we've been imitating people all our lives, for better or for worse. It starts, it starts really young. Who has access to children, to grandchildren right now? There's, there's hands you know what it means to, to be imitated? Usually that's for worse. You know, the, when, when you know you're going to be imitated, it's, they, heard, they heard something you didn't intend them to hear, and it could have been from you or from the, the pain uncle. could have been from a commercial on TV, but they usually imitate at the, at the worst possible time. And then you can either give an explanation or just run. And I have plenty of illustrations that I won't use from my own childhood and stories that my dad told us, things that we did. He told those stories on us enough, so now I don't tell stories on me and my brothers. I tell them on my kids and my wife. So I'm just, you know, I've just learned. I'm imitating my dad and the way that he preached and shared the most um, obvious illustrations that he had right there from in his family. But you can think about this, whether or not you were the child that grew up in this period or you had children who grew up in this period. And think about imitation. Not a fake, but an imitator. If you grew up in the 80s, you may have said words like psych or rad. If you laugh, I'm going to know that this is describing you. I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. I was six years old when the decade turned from 70s to 80s, but I'm a child of the 80s. You may have had big hair or a mullet, or both. You may have had an Atari and then a Nintendo. Collected things like garbage pail kids and cabbage patch dolls. And as you're thinking about this, why did you do it? Probably because you had a friend that did it as well. Or you saw a TV commercial and you said, I cannot live another day without that thing. My two girls want something right now that costs a ridiculous amount of money for them to spend, but they get an allowance. What are they called? I don't even know what they said, but that's what they want. And Kelly has put them off for about a month to see if they really want it. So now they're going to have to spend their money on this thing, and we'll see if they still play with it a month from now. Other things that you might have been imitating, uh, people that use these things back in the 80s, a members-only jacket, skateboard, a Rubik's Cube. I got one of these in 1982 for Christmas. And the reason I got it is because all of my friends at church and school had them. I got this thing, and, and honestly, I would take it to church on Sunday nights, and me and the big teenagers would sit in the back and we would practice. Nobody knew, you know, especially Christmas, this winter, you wear a coat, put it in your pocket. So this is what we did. And after I messed the thing up, I never got it back until about 10 years ago. Because with the internet, you can find anything you want. So I just saw the code to solve this thing and memorized it. And about once a year, I get that code back out and I go over it and see if I can still do it. And this one has not been messed up in about a year, so I don't know if I can still do it today, but does anybody want to play with this during the rest of the sermon? <laughs> Taylor. 
You, you, you can play with it after. If you grew up in the 90s, you may have dressed grunge. I'm looking out to see if we have any 90s people here. You may have loved boy bands and alternative rock all at the same time. You may have had frosted tips or the Rachel haircut. Play with Power Rangers and Pokemon. You may have wanted a Motorola StarTac cell phone that probably cost about $1,000. You may have switched from cassettes to CDs. And you may have watched people on TV like Jennifer Aniston and Mia Hamm and Jared Leto. Now, I was a youth pastor during this time. But if you grew up in the 2000s, you may have worn Abercrombie and Fitch. Why? Because you like showing every square inch of your body or it's just because it's what other people did? You may have watched Napoleon Dynamite 50 times, broke your arm wearing Heelys. Why do you want those things? Because a friend had them. You know what's going to happen, but somebody else had it, so you, you just can't help yourself. You may have worn one of those yellow Livestrong bracelets. You may have had 3,000 friends on MySpace, learned lots of texting shorthand. And you may have watched people on TV like Johnny Knoxville and The Hills and Paris Hilton, just imitating now, I could go back and do a little bit of the 70s, but I will not for some of your sake and benefit. But you can see, and just from going back through these three decades of what children and teenagers did, sometimes ridiculously, any of that Johnny Knoxville stuff, and you had kids getting hurt and going to emergency rooms over Johnny Knoxville stuff that they, I won't say the real name of the show, but the, the stuff that they watch on TV, and I have got to try that. I know I'm going to get hurt, but I want to be cool. And then when cell phones start having video cameras, man, it has just progressed to a whole different level. Well, we're going to look today at these verses and see what Paul taught about imitating and ignoring. First of all, we need to imitate more mature Christians, We need to imitate more mature Christians. He says in verse 17, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. That's a scary verse, isn't it? Pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Paul had said to the Corinthians, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. We need, as believers in following Jesus, we need help with accountability. We need help with correction. We need encouragement. I sat with a lady, a, a lady who taught youth Sunday school class for me. She was my primary teacher for about four years. And she was a great friend, and she still is, even though I've only seen her a few times over the years. And she's only 60, 61. I sat with her yesterday for 15 or 20 minutes, and her somewhere around 30-year-old son now, her husband just died in his sleep the other night. 61 years old. So I felt compelled to go and, and see her and just sit there and let her cry. There's not anything wonderful that you can say to a person at that time. But as Christians, we need, we need encouragement. We, we need somebody just to say, I'm sorry and I love you. And to say to that son who said, the last time I saw my dad was in February. I haven't seen him since February. Just say, Eli, I love you. I'm sorry. Take the next two months, three months, six months, and when you feel like crying, just cry. My dad's birthday was this past week, the 16th, and I just shared a Facebook memory from four or five years ago. Karsten was about a year old. She was sitting on his lap, 
And we were at a church picnic. Kelly or somebody took a picture of that, and I had it. So his next birthday, when he was still with us, I posted and said, you know, happy birthday to whatever I said. So that memory popped up on his birthday the other morning. It's the first thing I saw as I woke up. So I grabbed my phone, I read some scripture, and, and that memory popped up. And I was fine. I, it was just a joyful picture of seeing my daughter with my father. But then later in the day, I kept checking back because I was getting notifications, and people were commenting on my dad's picture. And I was driving. I just sat there crying for about 30 minutes off and on as I was going where I was going at, at not my, my dad and he's gone, but it, just at people's comments and at people's memories and, and I couldn't help myself. So I told my old youth the other day, just, just cry when you feel like it. So as believers, we're going to continually need those things, encouragement. And yes, we're going to need accountability and we're going to need correction, sometimes more so than the encouragement with something like a, a sudden death. But we're going to need all of those things. So did the Philippians. And that's why Paul told them to imitate him and others who follow Jesus. He's saying, look, learn how to follow Jesus by watching me. Here's why he would say, imitate me. Not because he thought he was the world's greatest follower. He, he, he was ashamed of the things that he had done against Jesus Christ and the spread of Christianity. But here's why he had to say that. He wrote this about 61 AD. There was no such thing as the New Testament. The letters were being written and then later they were compiled into what we have as the New Testament. And you might say, well, they had the Old Testament. People didn't own copies of Scripture. They couldn't just go pull it out and say, all right, children, tonight for our devotional, we're going to read this. They would go to a synagogue, or they could go to the temple if they lived at Jerusalem, and they could be taught, but they didn't have personal copies of Scripture. As the New Testament century went on, sometimes churches have letters. And Paul would say, pass this letter on to the church there. Pass this letter to the church there. So they certainly would make copies and and, and have it, but they didn't have a compiled New Testament like we do. So what did he say for them to follow Jesus? The Gospels were being written at this time as well. About 55 to 65 AD, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, were probably written during that time, and John came later. So people didn't own the stories just to be able to say, look at this miracle that Jesus did, and look how compassionate it was in this situation, and look how Jesus attacked this sin, not the sinner, in this situation. So he had to say, follow me as I'm following Christ. I'm following him, so you can follow me. Kids who grew up with parents who model Jesus have an easier time choosing to love Jesus than kids who don't. It's not an absolute, it's not a guarantee, but they have an easier time. Do you want your children, your grandchildren to love and follow Jesus? Then you've got to model him. Because there's just a few exceptions of children growing up in non-Christian homes, but they grow up to love, honor, adore, serve, and worship Jesus Christ. There's just a few exceptions. That's generally not the way it happens. No matter how long you might have been a Christian, we know people who are closer to Jesus than we are. Even if they're younger than us, age often has nothing to do with it. And we should learn from them and their example and imitate them. How do, you, how do you learn things as an adult when you want to learn something new? We have multiple options. A lot of times I just watch YouTube. I have learned to finish sheetrock. I have gotten help with my golf swing, which I need more help with the golf swing. But I've gotten help with that. 
I have learned how to do car repairs, and sometimes Larry tear stuff up and have to take it to somebody that really knows what they're doing and spend more money than if I had just taken it to the place. And then I just blame YouTube. I'm saying, I thought I could do it, and then I tore something up that has nothing to do with this part that I was fixing. My part's fixed. I just happened to tear this part up, and now I need real help. So Kelly says YouTube gets me in trouble. But you can go and, and, and watch YouTube and learn how to do just about anything. But as a believer, in any area of life where you need help following Jesus, I'm going to use just two examples. If you need help getting your finances in order and start handling your finances in a Christ-like manner, you can go to crown.org. There was a guy before, before Dave Ramsey. There was a guy named Larry Burkett. And I taught his stuff for years, and I would much rather push Larry Burkett and crown.org than I would Dave Ramsey. Look, Dave Ramsey has helped lots of people. It's just that I choose a different route. But you can get help in all kinds of ways, there are many people that have written books. Randy Alcorn wrote a book called The Treasure Principle. There's many ways that you can go get help from other Christians who have made resources for us to learn how to follow Jesus better in that area. When you need help raising your children or helping with your grandchildren, you can learn, to learn from all the things that Dr. James Dobson has put out with Focus on the Family over the years and the people that are still leading that ministry now. You can get books by people like... Charles Swindoll or John MacArthur that have directly written parenting books. If you need help with your marriage, you can, you can talk to your pastor and, and get help with that. Or you can start just by reading some source from a believer who put this down for other Christians to have. But in either one of these cases, you can also just look at a friend who has clearly handled their finances well or has handled raising their children well through the goods and the bads. They have still handled it, and you can learn from them and imitate them and take them to lunch or to dinner and just say, could you give me some tips on how you do this? How can, how can I be better at those things that you clearly have a grip on? It only makes sense that to follow Jesus, we should learn from people who are an example of doing those things already. We have Scripture, and we know people who obey it. So firstly, we have here imitate more mature Christians. But at the same time, with this same verse, Paul tells us to be an example for less mature Christians to imitate. We can learn from those that are more mature, but we can also be an example for those that aren't as mature. We don't have to reach a certain level before we can start teaching and influencing other people. You don't have to get a certain degree. I went through North Greenville College back then for four years, and Maybe it's just my level of intelligence, but I went four years and I was just confused. I know part of it, and I won't get into all of that, but I know part of it was the way things were taught. I left there less prepared in my mind for, for being on a church staff than when I got there as a 19-year-old. So after about two years of being at North Greenville, I knew I have got to go to seminary. I, can't, I don't understand. I'm not prepared enough to go, and I'll mess people up. I have got to go to seminary. So I graduated, and for about three semesters, I'd, I'd put off going to seminary because I was trying to save money. At the same time, I had opportunities that I could have gone ahead and, and received a, a full-time position at a church, and I just didn't feel prepared or ready for that. And I tried and tried and tried to force my way. Some of you may know this story, and I did. I, back then, there was none of this online stuff. You, you went to the campuses, and there was no Anderson University Divinity School or North Greenville. You went to one of our six if you wanted a Southern Baptist education. 
I moved to Wake Forest, North Carolina. Within three weeks, I was back home. Totally flopped. Totally flopped. The real reason was there was another person with my name who had bad debts, and it kept me from getting loans to pay my way through seminary. They said, not only are you going to miss this semester, but it's going to take six months for us to clear this up with all the Equifax and TransUnion, so don't plan on coming back next semester either. So at that point, I started sending my resume. And God showed me that I can use you just as you are right now. So don't think that you have to reach some level before you can start teaching. Explain. You better not, if you have children or grandchildren or a neighbor, you better not wait until you have reached here before you start being an example for them to follow. If you know little bits about the gospel and about Jesus, you can share those little bits and you're commanded to. So don't wait. Don't fall for the myth that we can't teach others because you struggle with sin. That's another warning here. Don't say, well, I struggle with sin in this area, so I can't teach anything until I'm a better example. Here's a shocker. If you're alive, you struggle with sin. If you're alive, you struggle with sin. If we wait until we're perfect to start mentoring less mature Christians, you're never going to start. Not only that, but our sins give us the chance to show others what repentance looks like. Our sins give us the chance to show others you don't have to be perfect to follow. You can't be perfect. Not before you follow Jesus, not after you follow Jesus. And you're not expected to be perfect. What you're expected to be is repentant and surrendered. Having children gives us the chance to do this every single day, doesn't it? For as long as I can remember, and I didn't have children until I was 37. As long as I can remember, I've always worn my seatbelt. Had a wreck at the end of seventh grade that broke part of my back. And from that point on, I was a seatbelt wearer. So I always wore my seatbelt. But I got in the habit of when I was arriving at my destination, turning in the parking lot or getting close to my driveway, I'm like, I'm only going 25 now. And I would just unbuckle and start getting my stuff ready to get out. And that was fine and dandy until our baby turned into a three-year-old. And she started doing the same thing. And we're turning in the driveway, and she's out of her car seat. Once she learned to unlatch those things, she's got her head stuck between two seats. I'm like, why did you do that? You don't, well, you do. And you know what I can say at that point? I can say, mad, you're getting a spanking, whatever. Or I can say, you're right, and I'm wrong, and neither one of us can unbuckle until the truck is parked. You see that? It's an opportunity to say, I have failed here. Don't don't follow that bad example. We're going to start following a good example together. You help me and I'll help you. Thanks for holding me accountable. As a group of Christians, sometimes we teach others. Sometimes we get taught by others. Where one person is weak, another is strong and vice versa. You can both teach a person and be taught by the same person different things because we all have different strengths and weaknesses spiritually. As we follow Jesus, we should all be able to say with one thing or another, imitate me here. Can you say that? Are you, are you courageous enough to tell a fellow believer, imitate me here? I may be weak at this and I'm not great at that, but if you follow me here, you'll be following Jesus because I'm going to follow him here. Lastly, from these verses, and we're going to read the rest of the scripture here, Paul warns, never imitate 
enemies of the cross. Never imitate enemies of the cross. Verses 18 through 21, he writes, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly, eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Should we ever be surprised at what happens on these annual award shows like the Oscars or the Grammys? Should Christians watch those and just flip it off in utter disgust and then fire off a few whatever social media you use, just completely shocked at what you just saw? That, that door closed a long, long time ago. Their God is their appetite, and they brag about shameful things. In 2013, maybe you saw this one. It's probably one of the few I saw in the past 30 years because we just don't care to see that stuff anyway at my, fam- my house. But on the 2013 Grammys, Miley Cyrus, who had just been one of the 2000s that decade, here, let your children learn all these wonderful examples from our TV show on Disney by following this girl. And there she is in 2013 at about age 21, entertaining us in a way that was disgusting and shocking, even for people who have a hard time being shocked at that stuff. But it didn't begin there. For Elvis's first appearance on the Ed, Vol- Ed Sullivan Show in September of 1956, do you remember? He's like, I wasn't born then, but it's probably something that you've seen. Do you remember how the TV showed him? From the waist up. Because this guy known as Elvis the pelvis was too shocking to be shown from the waist down because of his dance moves. So they only, they only showed him from here up. Showed him from there up. By 1984, on the MTV Video Awards, I didn't have cable back then, but I've sure seen it. There's children in the room. But 1984, Madonna made a simulation as she crawled across the floor in a wedding dress, singing like a virgin. And all decency was just gone at that point. So anybody who's shocked by what Miley Cyrus did in 2013 just needs to YouTube, or rather don't, but just think that something was happening in in 1984. Once once the Elvis stuff was opened, it was all downhill from there. But Paul's warning is not about these people. He's not about Madonna and Miley Cyrus. That's not the warning that he is giving us. Instead, it's about people who claim to love Jesus, but their lives prove that they're really his enemies. They're led by their sinful appetites. They're proud of things that should shame them as followers of Christ if they were. He says they're headed for destruction and they take other people down with them because they claim to be followers of Christ. Scholars disagree about who Paul was addressing here, but two possibilities 
are a group called the Judaizers who went around traveling behind Paul as he was on his missionary journeys. And they taught these new Christians, wait, that's fine to be a Christian, but also you've got to keep following the Jewish law. And if you don't even know what that is, we'll teach you. You've got to follow the Jewish law too. So they're still trying to bind new believers into following the restrictions of the Jewish law. And if it wasn't them, scholars think maybe it was antinomianism, which is a big word that means anti-law or lawlessness. These antinomians believe that since God forgives Christians, we can sin all we want now as followers of Christ and not worry about it. Jesus loves you. He'll forgive you. So just live how you want. Do what you want. Go where you want. As often as you want. As little as you want. Because Jesus loves you and it's all okay. With my tone of voice and with you paying attention to what's going on around you and just flipping through any sermon that you might see on Saturday or Sunday or any night of the week if you go to those certain stations. You know that this antinomian lie is still alive today. Yes, God forgives our sins, but he still commands us to love him with all we've got. Make the kingdom of God your primary concern. What that means is love him with all you've got. Your priority with all you've got. Your primary concern doesn't mean, well, you know, I'm following Jesus, but what, what is a primary concern? I mean, it's top shelf. It's up here. It's priority. It's first place, if you will. It's not, oh, it's just a little section of my life, but I still enjoy all these other things that I have to turn away from my relationship with Jesus to be able to do them, to enjoy them, to participate in them. We try to take advantage of God's grace when we dabble in sin, thinking it's okay because, hey, we're eternally forgiven. But we don't ever take advantage of God's grace. That's not possible. And if we love him, we will not want to try. We forget sometimes that sin always hurts us as well as others. It's been said plenty of times, but sin takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than you're willing to pay. And sin always has a cost. It hurts you and it hurts others. It hurts our ability to shine brightly for Jesus, which while we're here is our most important task. So if you think it's, look, if it offends you, it offends you. But if you think it's cute to post little memes and stuff that say things like, well, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. You might want to change that meme and add on at the end. And every time I do, I repent and tell Jesus that I'm sorry. Because it's, is, it, is it still cute if you say, well, I love Jesus, but I'm into porn a little. That, that's a little different than, but I cuss a little. Well, well, I love Jesus, but I'm into drugs a little, or adultery a little, or domestic abuse a little, or racism a little. Don't believe the antinomian lie that you can just talk like you want to and it doesn't matter because... Jesus loves me and he'll forgive me. If you're following Christ, you are to be an imitation. For others who are following Christ and for those who don't know him or care about him at this time. Never underestimate the power of your life and witness, both for good as well as for bad. So who are our modern day false teachers? Who are our modern day enemies 
of the cross. Prosperity gospel preachers are obvious, but there's a more subtle group we need to be aware of. People, particularly leaders, who claim to love Jesus, but they never surrender to him. Claim to love Jesus, but they never surrender to him. I'll just tell you, don't, it's easy now in the podcast, podcast age and when anybody can go listen to a sermon online or listen to 40 sermons in a week. It's easy to develop a following and it's easy for us to start listening to preachers. And I have friends who do this just like you would listening to music artists. And then it's easy for those people to ha- not have much accountability, the leaders, and say whatever they want and teach whatever they want and live however they want. And they're following this antinomian lie that I can do whatever I want because I'm forgiven. It's not true. The evidence of their lives doesn't show that they con- they're continually growing closer to Jesus. And instead, it shows that they pretty much look like the world. They justify or excuse their sin instead of repenting. Jesus asked in Luke six forty six, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? That's a tough verse, isn't it? You see, Madonna's career was very destructive, but at least we knew where she stood. And I'm putting that in past tense on purpose. At least we knew where she stood. The enemies of the cross that Paul talks about are dangerous because they're so deceptive. Jesus taught several parables about people who think they have eternal life, but don't. Because they never die to self, they never live for Jesus, Instead, they serve and worship another God. Just some examples, things like money or leisure or beauty or fame or time with their family or sports or safety or whatever it may be for them. Since they think they're right with God and they believe that they're a model to follow for their friends, their neighbors, their church, And yes, they're children. So who's worse? People like this who claim to be Christians but don't follow Jesus or pagan celebrities who pagan because that's what pagans do. Pagans going pagan. Who's worse? Those that you know where they stand or those that claim to love Jesus but still live like those who live like pagans. Never imitate people who are not surrendered to Jesus. Pray for them. Show them the truth, but don't be influenced by them because we do not want what they have. Moses and team, as y'all come forward and we consider ourselves in a time of invitation at the the end of this service, just let me summarize. Paul says, imitate more mature Christians. Be an example for less mature Christians to imitate and never imitate enemies of the cross.